Hey guys, Kyle back with Kyle Bros Unedited Podcast, episode number 82. Um, not many topics to discuss. Um, we're going to go over Super Bowl again, odds, breakdown, prediction, NBA trade deadline. Just going to talk a little bit of the Kyrie deal, and then three three uh, players I picked out that could be trade ideas for the deadline. I don't think I really don't think either of these three will be moved, but it's fun to... Throw some out there. I got five trades for KD, four for Zach Levine, and three for Siakam. So we'll we'll get into those. Then I'm gonna do my updated top eleven college basketball power rankings as of today, February seventh. Uh, let's see, what do we got? One, two, three, four, five Big Twelve teams in my top eleven. Then we're gonna look at uh, looking at UFC two eighty four breakdowns, odds, and early predictions. A little more about Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. Watch Tommy's last fight finally last night. Talk a little bit my. Th- my three-week-out prediction, and then we'll get into Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler talk at the very end. So again, not too long. Not going to have a mock draft this week. We'll have a mock draft post-Super Bowl, though, um, next week. Because <clears throat> how many mock drafts have we done? We've done a decent amount, have we not? We're on 5.5. So we've done, we did 5.5. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I do have a mock draft today. <laughs> I forgot. I did a two-round mock draft. So, I mean, the later picks will go through relatively quickly, right? Um, but I do. I have a two-round mock draft with trades. There are three big trades in the first round. So we'll do that at the end. My fault. But we'll talk about the Super Bowl first. First thing we're going to look up here. Chiefs, Eagles, odds. Eagles are favored now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Eagles minus one twenty five in the money line. Chiefs plus one oh five. Minus one oh five. Or plus one oh five for the Chiefs, minus one twenty five for the Eagles. Really close odds. Um so those are the odds. I, I still like the Chiefs, I think. Uh, breakdown. I mean, again, I just think it's... Are the Chiefs going to be healthy? Will be a huge factor in this. And can the Chiefs' D-line contain Jalen Hurts? And force him to just throw the football? And not be able to get out and scramble and run? That's going to be huge. Um, early prediction. Chiefs 31, Eagles 27. That is my early prediction for the Super Bowl. Probably have a, we'll have our final prediction Thursday or Friday. We'll probably have to be Thursday or Saturday morning for the KB and the boys because Friday night I got stuff going on. But that'll be the final prediction. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to find a way to get it done. I think they have the best player in the field. They possibly have the two best players in the field, three, if not three. Mahomes, Kelsey, and Chris Jones. So... We'll see what happens there. NBA trade deadline. I'm not even going to discuss what the Lakers could do because I don't know. They're so out there, I don't know. But Kyrie was traded to Dallas. Kyrie and Markeith Morris to Dallas. Nets get Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first, and two second rounders. In my opinion, a terrible pack, a weak package. Nets don't know how to do business at all. They are terrible at business. The Lakers offered Russell Westbrook. I believe from what I heard, Russell Westbrook, Max Christie, two first-round picks. 
So you get an expiring contract, a young player, two unprotected first round picks for Kyrie. You get in, for Kyrie Irving. You have cap in the off season. You get a young guy in Christie, and you get the Lakers two picks. Nets just don't know how to do business, though, man. It is what it is. Uh, I think it would be interesting. I don't know how to react to the Kyrie to the mouth. I don't know how it's going to work out. Um, I think it's an interesting fit. At the very minimum, it's an interesting fit. Um, we'll see how it works out, though. I'm, 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 I, I can't. I don't really have a. I have to watch it play before I have a prediction on what I see the Mavs doing with this. I have to watch it play. It's one of those where you just don't know. Two guys, ball-dominant guys. I mean, we're going to find out. It's going to be interesting to watch. I believe he'll play in his first game coming up either tomorrow, possibly tomorrow, yeah. Trade ideas for Kevin Durant, okay? So the team that I hear, the, there's two teams I hear the most of, and I have them in here, Boston and Phoenix. You hear a little bit of rumblings about Miami. That may be an off-season thing. And then I threw in two teams that I know won't happen probably, but it's interesting. We're going to throw it out there. So I have five trades for KD. So Boston would get KD and Dayron Sharp, right? The Nets would get Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, a 2024 first pick swap, a 2025 unprotected first, and a 2027 unprotected first. You're going to say that's too many picks with Jalen Brown. No, it's not. Because Jalen Brown is not on a level of Kevin Durant. I hope this trade happens, though. Because I don't think KD and Jason Tatum is a good mixture. They're the same player. Jalen Brown is a, right now has been... The last two years, it's been perfect. Remember when people were doubting it? The last two years, it's been perfect between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But that would be the offer. Again, picks, you're going to have to throw in a lot. I mean, the next team, one, two, three, five picks. One, two, three, three. And then the last team, because it just you have to, fucking six. Picks are going to have to be thrown in. It's Kevin Durant. You know who he is, right? It's Kevin Durant. <laughs> All right, so the Suns. It would be KD, Joe Harris, and Dayron Sharp to the Suns. The Nets would get DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, Dario Sarge, a 2023 unprotected first, a 2024 first-round pick swap, a 2025 unprotected first, a 2026 uh, first-round pick swap, and a 2027 unprotected first. You know what's crazy? This is realistic what you get back in trades for Kevin Durant. The Nets will somehow fuck this up. This is what you remember what Rudy Gobert went for, right? Well, Kevin Durant should go for a lot of this, and he could even go for more. The Miami Heat. Now this, again, KD, these three guys, KD, Levine, and Siakam, probably not getting dealt at the deadline. But I love talking about guys, what if they're dealt, what would have to be thrown into a package to get them to say yes right now. Um, so KD to the Heat. KD and Dayron Sharp to the Heat. The Nets will get Bam Adebayo, Caleb Martin, Nikola Jovic, a 2024, 2026, and 2028 unprotected first-round picks. So they get three first-round picks. This is probably, the Boston one is probably the best return for Kevin Durant this one's very good too though you get Bam out of bio I know you have Nick Claxton so but you could also now use maybe Nick Claxton to go out and get a really good young guard to pair Bam out of bio so these are the two teams I threw in that I don't think would happen just because there's a little bit of nostalgia here Blazers could have picked him and then the Wizards will be last his hometown right so let's go to the Blazers they get Kevin Durant the Nets Anthony Simons a young guard on a on a, on a new contract that you can build around Jeremy Grant, if you like him, you can pay him in the offseason to expiring. You would also get Keon Johnson, and you would get three unprotected first-round picks. It's probably not enough. If I were the Nets, I would ask for Shaden Sharp. If I was the Blazers, I would hope that I'd keep Shaden Sharp because then he fills in the Anthony Simons role. For the Wizards, it's a lot because the Wizards don't have the assets. You would like to somehow make a big three of Bradley Beal, Porzingis, and Kevin Durant. So, I mean, you trade Kyle Kuzma, who's going to probably be expiring. He has a player option. 
Will Barton expiring. Monty Morris, good two-year deal for the Nets. Denny Avdia, I believe, has one more year left on his deal. You would then get six picks, a 2024 unprotected first, a 2025 first-round pick swap, a 2026 unprotected first, a 2027 first-round pick swap, a 2028 unprotected first, and a 2029 first-round pick swap. Because this is the worst return out of the four, out of the five trades. This would be the worst return for the Nets. If the Wizards wanted to go all-in on trying to win an NBA title, and again, most of this would have to happen in the offseason, which could then confuse some things because some guys are free agents. But if the Wizards wanted this to happen to form a big three of Porzingis, Beal, and KD, they would have to give up all their assets, all their future, to try to go and win a title. So trade ideas for Zach Levine. So again, again, and you might see, like the first one, you have the Nets in here. I'm, I'm obviously using, I could be using some of the same assets in these trades because obviously not all these are going to happen. Probably none of them will happen. The Nets, let's say they go all in. Zach Levine to the Nets. Zach Levine, to me, because of how how things have gone, I think you ha- you would definitely not have to give up as many picks for Zach Levine. Two at most, in my opinion. Two at most. But the Nets can give you Spencer Dinwiddie now and Joe Harris, who could keep the Bulls in the playoff contention, right? And now they would they would have to give up Cam Thomas, who has just been a bucket lately, and, it's, and their first-round pick this year. But this would give the Nets, Kevin Durant would get Zach Levine, and you would still keep Nicholas Claxton. Clippers, let's say they go all in right here. They get Zach Levine. The Bulls get Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, two guys that you can keep trying to beat a playoff team with this year. Brandon Boston Jr., a 2027 unprotected first and a 2028 first-round pick swap. The Lakers get Zach Levine and Alex Caruso. The Bulls would get Russell Westbrook, Troy Brown, Max Christie, a 2027 unprotected first and a 2029 unprotected first. The Kings get Zach Levine, a three-seed, could this put them over the top if they could make a big three of Fox, Levine, and Sabonis? This is probably one of the worst, I would say, the worst uh, for the Bulls. I, that's why I have the Kings kind of last. I think the Nets would be the most realistic one because the Bulls would be like, okay, we get Dinwiddie and Joe Harris who could help us be uh, you know, tough out in the playoffs and Cam Thomas for the future who can also help us be a tough out in the playoffs. The Kings get Zach Levine. The Bulls get Harrison Barnes, Kevin uh, Kevin Hoiter, PJ Dozier. No, no, Dave, probably Davion Mitchell. A 2023 unprotected first and a 2026 first round pick swap. So those are the four trades for Zach Levine. For Siakam, I think I got three in here, and these are kind of blockbuster moves. A lot of pieces going around here. The Warriors, who right now are you know Steph Curry out for two to four weeks, right? Warriors get Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr. They would trade away Andrew Wiggins, who's on an expiring deal. James Wiseman, who, let's be honest, has not been good. Pascal can play the five. He's done it. Dante DiVincenzo, a 2025 unprotected first and a 2027 unprotected first. So you lose DiVincenzo, but you get Gary Trent Jr., who who can hit threes and play defense. Siakam replaces, in my opinion, can give you some scoring while Steph is out. Yeah, you lose Wiggins. That can hurt. Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody got to step up. Okay, now let's say the Hawks. They get Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet. The Raptors would get John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, and Bojan Bogdanovic. A 2023 top five protected first. That'd be this year, just in case it goes south. And then they would get a 2024 unprotected first via the Kings. Let's say the Celtics go all in for a big three. They get Pascal Siakam and Preston Achua. 
the Raptors will get Robert Williams, Derek White, and Grant Williams, as well as a 2024 unprotected first and a 2026 unprotected first. I think all those make sense. I think the Warriors one makes a ton of sense. They need... Jordan Poole's been not as good this year as he was last year. Klay Thompson is aging. He had a great game, but let's be honest about him. Where's the scoring? You need scoring help. Wiggins has been good, but man, Siakam's a 25 to 30 a game guy. 25 to 27 a game guy. And then when Steph comes back, your lineup is Steph, Jordan Poole, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Siakam? I think that's a conference finals team. I really do. That's a comp. And the Celtics, I know you're giving up a lot of depth here, but man, Siakam, Jalen Brown, and Tatum? The Celtics would undoubtedly be my favorites to win the NBA title if they landed Pascal Siakam. I would still say that they are very beatable if they traded Jalen Brown for KDE because they lose the defensive edge. But if they got Siakam, I think Siakam fits with Brown and Tatum. You get to keep Brown in a Siakam deal. You're not trading Brown in a Siakam deal. You make a big three. That I would I would unquestionably go on the podcast if that happened next week, and I would say the Boston Celtics will win the NBA title this year. Undoubtedly. I think they're gonna I think they might win the NBA title this year anyway, with no trades. Okay, so there was my trade. So let's get into my updated top eleven college basketball power rankings as of February seventh. Houston to me. I don't see a clear number one. I think the top five is very interchangeable. Maybe not Tennessee, who I have at five, because they're kind of, they can kind of be really bad offensively. Really, they can be very bad offensively. I went Houston at one. I just love their guard play. I like Houston. I went Purdue at two. Arizona at three. Alabama at four. Alabama scares me because of the youth. Their best player is a true freshman who's an animal, don't get me wrong, but, you know, a true freshman. I don't like young teams in the tournament. Tennessee, five, because they are the best defensive team in the country. I have Kansas at six, because I think Kansas might have the best starting five in the country. Texas at seven. Virginia at eight, just because they play, again, such good defense, and I love their coach. Uh, K-State at nine. Baylor at ten. And Iowa State at 11. So I have five Big 12 teams in my top 11. Best conference in college basketball, hands down. I don't know who I would say. I can't really, you can't, there's not a team you can put your finger to and say they are by far the best team in the country. There's just not one. If somebody had Tennessee as number one, I would say, you know, I get it because defense travels in the tournament. So I would get that. I would get that if people thought Tennessee or Purdue, who can play a slow it down, slow uh, slow pace game, get it to their big guy, play good defense. Arizona scares me a little bit because I don't think they're very good defensively. Houston's iffy defensively as well, and Alabama's youth scares me. But I don't think there's a team you can pin in that you would say that team's going to win the national title. They're the or no because that, that that's not unfair to say that team is by far the best team in the country, or they're undoubtedly the number one team in the country. I don't think you can say that. I don't think there's a team that you can say that. So let's look at UFC. Uh, 284 big card this weekend cannot wait they, i shouldn't say big main and co-main you know they really are using the fact that it's a number one pound for pound versus number two pound for pound champion versus champion fight because i don't think the card is that great um let's start off islam Mahachev versus alexander volkanovsky i don't know what this is going to look like i don't know because Islam's wrestling so good, Volkanovski's takedown defense has always been good, but has he faced a wrestler of this caliber? Has he faced a guy this big and strong? No. 
So I don't know what it's going to look like. Islam seems to, and he seems to try to trick people into saying, I'm going to outstrike him and I can finish this guy on the feet. Okay. His striking, I will say, in the Oliveira fight, and it even surprised Oliveira, is much better than I thought it was, and it's got it's gotten so much better. So I do think he can hold his hold his own in the feet, because I don't think Volkanovski's putting Islam away. If Volkanovski's going to win this, it's going to be because he's stopping the takedown and he's outstriking him for five rounds. I think... I don't see a finish in this fight at all, actually. I really don't see Islam or Volk finishing, unless Islam gets another submission, but I really just don't see that happening. I think somebody's going to win a five-round decision, but it's going to be a great fight. I, I've i said the entire time that I don't see how Volkanovski wins, but goddamn, I've doubted this guy so much in his entire career, and he's, he is the number one pound-pound fighter on the planet right now. It, it's so tough. I think Mahachev should win. It's his weight class. He's the bigger guy. But man, what if Volkanovski can really stop the takedown? What if he can? He's going to win if he can stop the takedown. Or what if he takes him down, but he can just get right back up? And then he can put pressure on the feet. I'm leaning Islam Mahachev via decision in a close fight. It would not shock me, though, if Alexander Volkanovski won this fight. It would not shock me. The main thing for Mahachev, he can say what he wants. He's got to use the wrestling. He's got to get him down. He's got to hold him down. Try to wear on him. For Volkanovski, it's going to be all about... if He knows... He's even said, though, I'm probably going to get taken down this fight. I have to be able to get up. If he can... Let's say Islam shoots for 15 takedowns, and he holds him to only getting four, and he's able to get up pretty relatively quickly on those four or five, I think Volkanovski's going to win. If Islam's able to dominate with the wrestling and really stay on top of him, it's going to be a long night for Volkanovski, though. The featherweight title, uh, interim title fight, Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. The winner of this will take on Volkanovski next, most likely, I'd say. Hold on, one good drink. It's going to be a real interesting one for Volkanovski if he wins. I think with the UFC's plan here, because they haven't really booked like a number one contender lightweight fight yet. You have Fazeev and Gaethje, but you have a feeling that they both need two wins. Oliveira is yet to be booked, <coughs> as well as Dariush. Poirier is yet to be booked. We're hearing April or May for Dariush versus Oliveira. So, I wonder if the plan is, even if, Vol- if Volkanovski is to win, is if he he will go down and defend against the winner of Yair Emmett next. And then later this year, he'll fight the winner of Oliveira Dariush. This all is nonsense, though, if Islam wins. He will probably be back down. But... What if he feels so good at lightweight? He's just like, no, I don't want to go back down. I've already defended the belt a shit ton of times at featherweight. I'm now the lightweight champion. I can fight a whole whole bunch of new guys, that new faces that I haven't fought. Charles Oliveira, Darius, Poirier, Gaethje, Fazeev. There's so many other guys there. It's going to be interesting to see what happens here. For Yair and Emmett, this is a great fight. You're going to see a, probably a stand-up battle. If I was Emmett, I would try to use some takedowns, though. Um, you know, I don't think Yair's wrestling defense is the best. He is very good at jujitsu, but I don't think his wrestling defense is always, it's it's not always been the best, but I think Yair's speed is going to be a huge factor in this fight. And I think Yair Rodriguez is going to get a finish in round three or four in this fight. That's what I think happens. Welterweight bout, Jack De La Maddalena from Australia, getting a fight in Australia. He's a up and comer. He's only 26 years old here at welterweight. Um... 
what, he lost his first two fights ever in MMA. He has not lost since. He's fought three times in the UFC. He fought once on the Dana White Contender Series, won by decision. Fought Pete Rodriguez, won by TKO at UFC 270. At UFC 275, he beat uh, Ramzan Imiv via TKO, uh, round one. And then he beat Danny Roberts at UFC Fight Night in November 19th, November 19th of 2022 by knockout again. So three knockout wins in the UFC, performance of the night twice, back-to-back. This is a big, this is a bigger test. Randy Brown, good fighter, 32, he's 6'3", big guy for welterweight, right? He's had, he's put on a really good stretch of wins. So he came into the UFC, he won his first fight. Um, he was a big-time prospect really coming in. Um, people loved him because his size and he was athletic. Lost to Michael Graves by submission, then won back-to-back. Lost to Bilal Muhammad by decision. Beat Mickey Gall. Got knocked out by Nico Price, but then came back, knocked out Barbarina, submitted Warley Alves, got another step up. He lost to Vicente Luque by KO. Then he's won four in a row. Cowboy Oliveira, Jared Gooden, Chaos Williams, and Francisco Trinaldo. Three straight decisions. This is a big step up for De La Maddalena. Uh, I haven't even looked at the odds for the fight, so we're going we're to get into those last. It's going to be a stand-up battle. I think De La Maddalena is going to win a, a very close fight. I think it's going to go all three rounds. It's going to be very good. Uh, heavyweight bout, Justin Taffa versus Parker Porter. Justin Taffa's only 29. Uh, he's 5-3. and three. You know, he's since UFC got knocked out by DeCastro, beat Juan Adams, lost to Carlos Felipe, lost to Vandera, beat Harry Hunsucker. Very up and down, you know, and he, he he's lost two by decision. All five wins have come by knockout. Uh, Parker Porter, 37, a little on the older side, but heavyweight, 37, not too old. He's only He fought he fought Chris Dawkins in his first fight, got knocked out, then won three in a row, Josh Parisian, Chase Sherman, Alan Bodat, and then lost to Jolton Almeida in his last fight. I like Justin Toffa via knockout in this fight. I think he wins this one pretty easily. Uh, light heavyweight fight, big fight here for Jimmy Crew, who obviously was a huge prospect, still only 26 years old, man. Coming off the contender series, um, he, uh, knocked out Chris Birchler in the first round. Then he was able to beat Paul Craig via submission, which is a huge feather in his cap. He then knocked out Sam Alvey, lost to Serkinov via submission though, then won back to back. And he's lost two straight now though, albeit to Anthony Smith and Jamal Hill, now the champion. So again, his three losses are not bad losses. Needs a win here to get back on track. In my opinion, um, he's fighting Alonzo Menafield, tough guy, 35 years old, can hit, got 10 wins by knockout out of 13. He's actually coming off a knockout win over Misha Shurkinov, who beat, um, who did he, who beat Jimmy Crute. Um, he beat, he's lost to William Knight. He's also knocked out Paul Craig. He lost to Devin Clark of Ovin St. Peru, beat Fabian Sherman, Ed Sherman, lost to William Knight, beat Ashkar Moshrov, and then beat Shurkinov. Great fight here. I'm leaning Jimmy Croup, but I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting here. I'm going to go Jimmy Croup via second-round stoppage is what I'm going to go with here. Um, and I think those are the only ones we'll pick from. Maybe We'll actually probably pick the main fight of the prelims, Tyson Pedro versus uh, Modastas uh, Buscas at light heavyweight. Buscas is 28 years old. Uh, he's 13-5, and five, coming off two straight. He lost three straight in the UFC. He beat Andreas uh, Michodeleus in his first fight, then lost to Jimmy Croup. Michelle Ojeleke, Khalil Roundtree, but then won against Lee Chadwick and Chuck Campbell in Cage Warriors, and now he's back in the UFC since his two wins. He's taking on Tyson Pedro, 31 years old, um, on a two-fight win streak. 
Um, he beat Khalil Roundtree in his first fight in the UFC, beat Paul Craig, lost to Erie Latifi, beat uh, Sporadic Sarov, lost to OSP, lost to Shogun, beat E.K. Villanueva, and then beat Harry Hunsucker, or I believe, yeah, beat Harry Hunsucker. Should be a stand-up fight. I'm going to go with uh, Modestas uh, gets a finish here. Uh, that will be my early prediction. Obviously, we'll, we'll have the fan fight picks and stuff. I can give, I'll give the update on those uh, records or the standings after this. So let's go UFC 284 odds. We'll check the six fights that we're doing. Wow, is Islam a massive favorite, huh? FanDuel, Islam, Mahachev, minus 400 to Alexander Volkanovsky's plus 285. Josh Emmett and Yair Rodriguez for the interim uh, featherweight title. Emmett, plus 134. Yair, minus 172. Jack De La Maddalena, minus 350. Really? I did not expect the odds to be that much. Randy Brown, plus 255. Justin Toffa is the slight favorite at minus 146 to, to Parker Porter's plus 114. Jimmy Crude is minus 225 to Menafield's plus 172. Listen, I'm picking Porter. I'm picking Crute. I don't mind the odds, though, on Menafield. I also don't mind the next one. Tyson Pedro is minus 265 to Modestus. Plus 200. I don't mind that either. I think the th- if I would do a three-fighter, I would go Yair, Justin Taffa, and Modestus. That would be my three-fight parlay. That will probably be my three-fight parlay in the UFC this coming weekend. Yair Rodriguez, Justin Taffa, Modestas, who's plus 200. That will juice the odds a lot. Okay. I guess here, I can check. Let me go to Bovada real quick. UFC MMA, um, just to see what the odds would be there. Uh, they might have different odds, though. Modestus, plus two. Justin Toffa, Yair Rodriguez, is plus six, plus 749. I like that a lot. Personally, like that a lot. But yeah, that's UFC 284. Cannot wait. Um, Jake Paul, Tom Fury. Again, I watched, I watched Tom. Let me grab a drink before we talk about Tommy. I watched Tommy's fight. He fought, finally fought a guy that was, I think, 10-1 and one or some shit like that. Um, he has a good jab. I feel, I think he is scared when the, I, I just watch him and I just don't think he likes to get punched. And I know I hate harping on the pretty boy thing and, you know, the Love Island shit, but man, I just don't think he likes to get punched. Jake Paul doesn't care. I don't know. I like Jake Paul via third, fourth round knockout right now. That would be the way I'm leaning. I think Jake Paul's going to win this fight. I think he's just better. I do. I actually think Jake Paul's a better boxer than Tommy Fury. I really do. Crazy to say it, but I think he is. But I can't wait for that fight. Uh, we're almost. We're about two and a half weeks out. So again, uh, Dana White announced late last week. Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler announced as the tough head coaches. The show will air in May and go through August. The two will they will fight at the end of the show. I'm here in late August, early. I'm here in late August. Is the is the uh, rumored date that they would like? I believe. Let me see. I got my calendar here. Here, let's look at the calendar real quick. August 26th or September 2nd. I th- or It was August 19th or 26th are the targeted dates for Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. 
Opening odds. That's a good question here. Let's look at the opening odds before I get into the fight and how I think it could play out. McGregor versus Chandler odds. Um, here we go. Seven hours ago. Betting preview. I mean, I'm sure these odds aren't a fit. These odds probably aren't official. Minus, pick them. Minus 110, minus 110. Literally a pick them right now is the fight, which I agree with because we don't know what we're going to get from Connor. And the reason why you can't put Chandler as a heavy favorite is because we know he's chinny and we know he he gets into wars and he can get he can get finished. And you can't put the fa- you can't put Connor as a favorite because you don't know what Connor you're going to get. You don't. Um, and that's my analysis. I don't know really right now because it's tough to analysis when you don't know what Connor's going to show up. If he's motivated and committed to this, I think he's going to smoke him. And if it's especially for that one seventy, I think he smokes him. Not a heavyweight cut, big, muscular. I think he smokes him. If he's not invested in this and he thinks just because this guy's chinny and I'm just going to go out there and hit him one time and put him down, he's going to lose. 100% he's going to lose. It all depends on what Conor McGregor you're going to get in there, man. And it's and it's crazy. It's We say that almost every time, but it is. It's true. It's what Conor McGregor is going to be in there. You know, Kavanaugh got worried after, you know, going into the poor, the second Poirier fight. He's like, I, just, I think Conor took the he, – he even said, he's like, I think Conor, you know, kind of took the Poirier fight thinking he's going to walk through him. He's already beat him. And, you know, broke his leg in the third one. We don't know, you know, how that would have played out. But if he doesn't take this serious and he thinks that, man, this guy's really chinny. He's been dropped by Tony Ferguson. And he's, you know, been hurt and rocked by Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira. Well, I have more power than those guys. So if I hit him once, it's over. Could that happen? Sure. But what if it doesn't happen and you're not prepared for a grueling war? I think Chandler's going to win. I truly do. So let's get into my uh, mock draft here. Where are we at? NFL draft. Two rounds this time, so we're gonna, and we're not gonna we're not gonna spend too much time harping on the picks. We'll talk about some guys in the second round that I think are gonna be really good, but we're gonna we're not gonna harp on them. So here we go. First, the Bears trade pick one to the Panthers for pick nine, a twenty twenty four first, and Brian Burns, and probably some other you know four, a third and a fourth, something like that. But those are the main parts of the trade. So they get Brian Burns, obviously, because if you trade down to ninth, you lose out on Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. So the Panthers would then select quarterback C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. This is a little more of what I like. I think C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback in this draft. And I think he's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft for years to come. And that's why I have the Panthers taking him at one. So the Texans, so I've done a lot of trades here. The Texans are going to trade pick two. Four, pick 16, pick 47, a 2024 first rounder, probably some other draft compensation, quarterback Sam Howell, and Jonathan Allen, the interior D lineman. So they're going to trade all the way down, but they're going to get a haul of picks. A haul of picks here. The commanders are then going to select Bryce Young. So again, this is an out there trade, but the commanders are going to select Bryce Young out of Alabama. At three, the Cardinals, they're sitting there like, thank goodness, Will Anderson, the edge out of Alabama, easy. Colts now at four. Will Levis, the quarterback out of out of Kentucky. He's getting a lot of hype. Well, here you go. Seahawks at five. They now get Jalen Carter at five. Maybe the best player in the class. Lions at six. They take Tyree Wilson, the edge at attack. I know you got Aiden Hutchinson. Can't go wrong with Aiden Hutchinson and Tyree Wilson. They also have another, another first-round pick. Okay? So then at seven, though, the Raiders... Then trade. The, so the Texans move back. They had 12 and 16. They then trade back up. Raiders trade pick seven to the Texans 
for pick 12, a 2023 fourth, and a 2024 third. The Texans then draft Miles Murphy, the edge out of Clemson. So they wanted to trade back up and get their edge. They got their interior D line with Jonathan Allen. Now they want their edge, Miles Murphy. Falcons probably a little upset they didn't get an edge, but they go Brian Brisset, the interior D lineman out of Clemson. Bears at nine. You got Brian Burns, your edge. You could either take a weapon here, which I wouldn't be mad at, but I'm going Paris Johnson, the tackle out of Ohio State. Go protect Justin Fields. Eagles at 10, Bijan Robinson. I know people are going to criticize it. Bijan Robinson. Uh, 11, the Titans. They go Peter Skoronsky, the tackle out of Northwestern. So the Raiders now have the 12th pick, which they traded down. They get Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. Jets at 13 get Broderick Jones, the tackle out of Georgia. Patriots at 14 get Keely Ringo, the corner out of Georgia. Packers go Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State, who is my number one receiver, and that's what I'm doing here. I'm going. This one's been a little more off my rankings. Texans at 16. They took Miles Murphy. They were able to trade for Jonathan Allen. Now they're going to get a receiver, Jordan Addison, out of USC. Steelers at 17. They get Joey Porter Jr., the corner out of Penn State. Lions at 18. Lions have taken Tyree Wilson. They now go corner. Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Buccaneers at 19. I'm going Isaiah Foskey, the edge out of Notre Dame. Seahawks are going Trenton Simpson, the interior linebacker out of Clemson. Ravens, they go wide receiver to help Lamar. Quentin Johnson, the wide receiver to TCU. Chargers, they go tackle. Anton Harrison out of Oklahoma. This is a different one for me. Vikings, Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. All the upside in the world. I don't think Kirk Cousins is the long-time fit. Jaguars at 24, they go Michael Mayer, tight end out of Notre Dame. Giants go Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. A deep ball threat for Daniel Jones. Cowboys go Devon Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois, who I love. Bills go Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. Bengals, Jalen Duncan, tackle out of Maryland. Saints now in here because of the trade with uh, the Broncos. Osiris Torrance, the interior lineman out of Florida. Chiefs go Nolan Smith, the edge out of Georgia. And Eagles go Lucas Van Ness, the edge out of Iowa. Let me get a drink before we head on to the second round. All right. Round two. First time getting into round two. Steelers. Take Drew Sanders, the interior linebacker out of Arkansas. Texans go Clark Phillips, corner out of Utah. Cardinals go Kayshawn Boutte, the wide receiver of LSU, probably trading Hopkins. Get a young guy in there. Colts also need a receiver. Josh Downs, wide receiver out of North Carolina. Rams, they go Felix Enudike Uzama, the edge out of Kansas State. Seattle goes John Michael Schmitz, the interior alignment out of Minnesota. Raiders go Dewan Jones, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Panthers go B.J. Ojolari, the edge out of LSU, obviously traded Brian Burns in this mock. Saints go Antonio Johnson, the safety out of A&M. Titans go Andre Carter, the edge out of Army. Browns go Siaki Ika, the interior D lineman out of Baylor. Jets go Noah Sewell, the interior linebacker out of Oregon. Falcons go Zay Flowers, the wide receiver out of Boston College. Packers go Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia. So you help Jordan Love or Aaron Rodgers a lot with Darnell Washington and Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
Patriots go Henry Toto, the interior linebacker out of Alabama. Texans go Andrew uh, Voorhees, the interior O-lineman out of USC. Lions go Dalton Kincaid, the tight end out of Utah. Steelers go Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle out of Tennessee. Buccaneers at 50 go Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee. Dolphins go Jameer Gibbs, the running back out of Alabama. Seattle goes Emmanuel Forbes, cornerback out of Mississippi State. Bears go Tui, tu, no, Tuli, Tui Piloto, Piloto, interior D-lineman out of USC. Chargers go Parker Washington, wide receiver out of Penn State. Lions go Jordan Battle, the safety out of Alabama. Jaguars go Jalen Jones, corner out of A&M. Giants go Travius Johnson Tomlinson, the cornerback out of TCU. Cowboys go Rasheed Rice, the wide receiver out of SMU. Bills go Jarrett Patterson, interior alignment out of Notre Dame. Bengals get Brandon Joseph, the safety out of Notre Dame. Panthers get Zach Harrison, edge from Ohio State. Chiefs go Xavier Hutchinson, the wide receiver from Iowa State. And the Eagles take Eli Ricks, the corner out of Alabama. And that is the two-round mock draft. Um, we'll do more. Probably won't do a lot more. We'll do more two rounds once we get into March and late March, early April, when we get really close to the draft. Um, most of the time, most for the next couple weeks, though, a few, you know, three, four weeks, it'll be one round mocks, but I did want to get a two round in there, but yeah. Uh, fan, so the fan fight pick standings, I've done really good right now. Me at 35, Christian 31, Lou at 27, my dad at 20, KB and the boys. I believe the standings go, I'm eight and seven. I didn't check Colby's other two games. Schmidt. Did not check his games. He was 0-2. Carter went 1-2. Did not. I didn't really check Nixie. I haven't checked him, but I haven't really updated. Panel Parlay didn't hit again. Um, but we should be back. I hope to do one if it can work for the rest of them. I won't be able to do it Friday, so it'll have to be either Thursday evening, which kind of sucks because then we don't get the we don't get the you know odds out for the weekend. If they could do it Saturday morning around 10, I'm down to do it. Uh, it'll be up to them, though. I'll, I'll have to text them and you know see what they think about it. But, yeah, so hopefully we're back. If not, we'll be back next uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for uh, Unedited. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.